Ignition sequence start. Welcome to the Selected Podcast, brought to you by Sesimers, the social network for tech events. Hi there, this is Ben from Sesamers, recording live in Paris during Viva Tech 2023 for the Selected Podcast, covering everything from entrepreneurship, investment, culture, politics and events, and science today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you get the next episodes. Now let's get started. We're meeting with Professor Dava Newman, Director of the MIT Media Lab and Apollo Professor of Astronautics. Hi Dava, how are you doing? Hi Ben, glad to be here. Thank you. Can you share a bit more, uh, some insights about your journey from being a NASA Deputy Administrator to the Director of the MIT Media Lab? I'm so glad to uh, be the Director of the Media Lab now at MIT. We've been going 38 years and uh, for the audience, if you don't know us, we are a magical place that uh, really works across art, design, science, engineering. And it's our mission to invent transformative technologies, also transformative experiences, look at systems to help people reimagine and redesign their lives. And we look at you know societal's big challenges. We're often known as the Imagineers or the Futurists, thinking about the next decade. And so our vision is really to think about inventing a better, more just world. And it has to be by, with, and for all. I love this mission statement. Uh, you joined like two years ago? I'm just going on two years, right? But I've been a professor at MIT for 30 years. So three decades at, at MIT overall, from aerospace, also in our, our Harvard-MIT Health Science Technology, so, and I ran the Technology Policy Program. So long-time uh, MIT professor. I love teaching and research. I told you earlier that uh, for someone, so I, I know a bit about the MIT Media Lab because I work with entertainment and media uh, professionals. I think I got um, in touch with the director back in 2012. Mm -hmm. Was uh, Joey Ito or, or Frank Moss was right before him, right at that Joey time. Ito, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, to get him at a conference and so on. And I told you that it's surprising for people like me to see someone with your background running MIT Media Lab. How come? You didn't expect a rocket scientist? Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. And when I, you know, dived a little bit more into your background, that, that it started to make sense. I saw so a video of you explaining the vision for the MIT Media Lab platform and how you are addressing the different levels of innovation. Like you had like four different type of innovation, if it's disruptive, if it's transformative, all of this. Ah, uh, from the so innovation framework. Exactly. Yeah. And and I'm a futurist. I'm, I'm, you know, my passion has been becoming interplanetary with humans, getting people to the moon and Mars. So I'm always thinking about the, the future state and now closer to home. Uh, I think a lot about climate, sustainability, uh, taking care of our oceans, land, earth. And we use our space data, but it does make sense. It's a wonderful home to be in the, the media lab because uh, we're... we're or the vision is thinking about those transformative technologies. But at the end of the day, it won't be about the technologies. This is Viva Tech that we're at, a lot of technology. But it's really about changing human behavior and actions. So the human and designing for the human is always very central to all the work. That's kind of in the middle of what all the faculty at the Media Lab do, whether they're musicians, artists, engineers, design. Everyone is working for and with humanity and how can we enhance the human experience. That's how you know it's for the Media Lab. I'm sure we'll talk about AI, but if it's AI for us, it's AI and the human experience. Are we enhancing education, lifting up all the kids with the new AI tools? Mm. You know, that's for us, responsible AI, trusted AI. It's always... Which is much necessary. I mean, I think like this, I saw recently the amount of investment that is done around the AI alignment and the ethical AI is 
like very minimum compared yep. to what is spent on uh, business uh, focused there. So we want to have that conversation. We've gotten it wrong. It's uh, you know kind of out in the wild, and we want to walk it back and ask those questions. What are the you know positive? What are the enhancing uses of AI? What's what are the responsible uses? It has to be trusted. It's not trusted right now. So that's what we do with the media lab. We tee up those questions for humanity. If we're not enhancing human experience, then we shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> so it has to be very responsible. And these are, you know, serious questions, but convenings. And that's where developing the best example right now. Have uh, your listeners jump on to dayofai.org. Oh, yeah. May 18th, we have the Day of AI, and that's for kids. It's for elementary kids, middle school kids, even high school students and teachers. And we had 500,000 students and teachers join us from 116 countries. And that's what we're talking. We put chat GPT-4 in. New York public schools banned it. Yeah. We said, wait a minute. And they came to the day of AI. And now the chancellor of the public schools in New York is releasing the ban. Say, no, here's the positive uses for education. And, we're, you know, kids are smart. We, we're very frank with them. We're very transparent. Good uses and bad uses. We, as humans, we choose the use. It's not the technology that chooses. It's we that, that choose how should it be used. So if I can help educate, you know, public school kids in Boston, Cambridge, Massachusetts, New York, all over the world, I think we think that's a very good use of our new tools. Uh, how many people work at uh, the Media Lab? We're a community of about 500 people, a 500-person lab across two spectacular buildings. Now, if you add the MIT undergraduates that do research in the Media Lab, that's another 450. So depending on how you look, 500 or 1,000-person, wonderful, you know, brilliant community. Insane. And all of them based in Boston. All of them based in, in Boston, actually Cambridge, Massachusetts, yeah. right across yeah. the river. Yeah. Uh, you have a presentation in front of, the, of you right now uh, showing me the mission of the MIT Media Lab. Can you show me through, like, tell me a bit more about uh, what's, what's the work there, what is the vision that you have? Yeah, exactly. So the transformative technologies, experiences, but once we say enable people to redesign, uh, reimagine their lives, what does that mean? And we have actually five main themes of collective research. We have 27 individual groups. They all have very cool names like, you know, opera of the future, uh, sculpting evolution, you know, more to the biology, genetics, uh, you know, um, the biomechatronics, really making superhumans. We call it human version 2.0. So take a look and I'll give you all the, the resources, the websites and these 27 eclectic, you know, futurist uh, human, you know, technology, technology, but, you know, inspired design for humans. But overall, in terms of strategy and the highest priority research, when we have four to six faculty working in one area, mm -hmm. that's how I get the five themes. Okay. So real quickly, we can dive into them. But the five, the five themes that we think are big challenges for humanity that you know, multiple faculty groups and researchers, students, students are, of course, are, are shining stars. They're the brilliant, you know, next generation folks. So the five areas are future worlds. And that's design and action for the future we want to live in. So that's all about sustainability and climate. All the way from oceans, land, air, looking down on our space data. So that's a few few uh, future worlds uh, research theme. Life with AI. I've mentioned that already. So life with AI because it should be for, by, with all. What are the positive uses, the trusted uses of, of AI? It's my co-pilot. So I use AI every day, but it's my co-pilot, my assistant. Uh, but I'm deciding on, you know, what the uses are, how it can help is it with, with maybe health care, yeah. maybe individualized medicine, uh, maybe education, um, being much more equitable, give kids all the tools. We don't have enough teachers. And so we have a lot of good uses for AI if we're very intentional about it, 
with the new tools. It's just right now, everyone is a little freaked out about <laughs> chat GPT. It's just a large language model. So I like to tell people, it's just a large language model. It's mathematically fantastic. It's statistical analysis, fantastic. But it's a large language model at the end of the day. We want to celebrate human ingenuity, creativity. So, you know, AI and the human experience is very central to everything we do at the Media Lab across all groups. And we have one called Decentralized Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this. And so some people say, well, what's that? Well, again, looking into the future, we've run the internet. We thought the internet would be the equalizer, access to the world. And, um, but it turned out that it's great that we're connected, but we didn't foresee that the data would be, you know, owned and taken by, you know, large corporations and, and people. So we say, well, in Web3, what's coming next? The future state. We get to run the experiment again, which is the beautiful opportunity for all of us. What about Web3 on blockchain? So we want really secure um, protocols, and blockchain is one of them. So you want your data to be private, secure. I want my data to be personal, private, secure. And then I'll decide, I'll decide, you know, who yeah. to share it with. So we kind of flip that on its on its head to talk about decentralized society empowering people. And then uh, two more out of the top five areas. One we call cultivating creativity. Super important because as we've come out of the pandemic, we've all been stuck on remote meetings. So nice to see you in person. You know, we could do this on Zoom yeah. or Teams. It would not be, I wouldn't see you in three dimensions. I wouldn't see you smiling. We wouldn't have coffee together like we're having beautiful coffee together. So we think there needs to be a global movement, a revolution, a movement of creativity Mm -hmm. to bring back what people enjoy, smiles, laughter, having coffee together. So that's out of kind of coming out of the pandemic. And we, everyone that thinks about the media lab, they think, ah, that's the most creative. Yeah, I would naturally think that this is like one of the topic that's, uh, yes. Exactly. So we're always been known as the creative. It's one of our values, creativity and open collaboration. But now we're saying we actually think that humanity, that societies need this global revolution in creativity. How do we bring out the best of people? And the next one is related. Call it, you know, connected mind and body. Mm-hmm. We have folks, more than 50% of the faculty are working on health and wellness, mm-hmm. whether it's bionic people to now much more connected mind and body, connecting the mind. We're literally working on a, a digital central nervous system to empower people for mobility. What is a digital central nervous system? Well, since we have, if you know, the, uh, we have people walking with uh, robotic limbs yeah. and legs, but they're not connected to the natural nervous system or not connected to the mind. So that research is literally, you have, we have hybrid humans, superhumans, humans that are biological, humans that are machine, and it really is uh, kind of that cyborg future, but that research is happening today. And uh, now uh, also thinking about some of our nanotechnology and uh, actually Internet of Things, that's Museum's famous for Internet of Things. Now think of the Internet of Things inside your body. So uh, one of the groups, uh, Deblina uh, Sarkar, has just invented an antenna, antenna that goes in vivo, so through the bloodstream, into the cell. So it's subcellular. It goes into an individual cell. Hey, how you doing? You know, measuring, <laughs> measuring health and wellness. How you doing? Super important for the future of cancer research. Super important if we have Internet of Things, but measuring and monitoring the body, but inside the human body. So those are some examples. So we're really doing a lot on health and wellness. And But now um, the mental health crisis that we have, not just the U.S., but worldwide, coming out of the pandemic, we feel like we have digital tools. We have to put our digital tools to the most important societal 
issues. And we think mental health and wellness is one of those. So what can we do with our digital tools to help people just get through a day, just have a better day? Uh, because we really do have the pandemic. So I would say creativity and what we call the connected, you know, mind and, and body, those two are coming out of the pandemic. And we said, these are really important challenges. And so we should, you know, put our good thinking and we should put some of our, you know, digital tools and technology. We can't uh, cure disease and things like that, but we're really working on how can we help? How can we help people? How do we enhance, you know, the human experience? Uh, I want to react to the the topic uh, that you just mentioned with a question I told you earlier from a member of our community. Thibault was asking if we should be afraid that an AI could or want to transfer itself from digital to organic, for example, by hacking someone's Neuralink and, you know, someone that works with CRISPR-Cas9. So he was like, he shared this question. I'm just, you know, when I hear you describe um, this, you know, amazing advancement that we can achieve with science and what the work you're doing at the, the lab I, I can understand that it's you have a lot of concern of how we put this advancement to the good use, right? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that it's, yeah, that we still have the control of how it is, you know? Yeah, because people are in control because we are actually <laughs> the biological. So even with our machines, if we're computing our machines, but right now, again, AI and machine learning, just remember, yeah. it's just a large language model. Got it. It's not biological. It doesn't have any you know, affect. One of the yeah. groups at the Media Lab is affective computing. That's Rose Picard. She invented a new field. As a computer scientist, said, wait a minute, it's about the human emotions, about the affect. So how come we don't call artificial intelligence? I want to rename it to affective intelligence. How do we make sure that we have the affect? And when it comes to empathy and compassion, that's what very much differentiates, you know, human being, human's experience compared to a mathematical large language model, which is a tool. Yeah, it's very helpful. It's just a tool. But okay, so like like maybe fast forward in a few years. Um, the, the question he asks is basically, should we be afraid? Uh, that's the question. I think we should be, um, you know, very conscious. We should be very aware, not afraid. I don't play on people's fear. That's not a, that's not a nice tactic. Mm-hmm. Give people, you know, don't make people fearful. Educate people. Mm-hmm. Give people knowledge. That's the power. So back to our day of AI, we want to give students and everyone knowledge. So with knowledge in your hands and understanding of AI, machine learning, large language models, not everyone has to be a computer scientist, but people are smart. So let's give them the knowledge and understanding and then let's impress upon each other. It can be used to lift people up, to raise people up, to help with education for everyone. Or it can be used for bad, you know, malicious events. And, and that's a human choice, how it's used. So I think it's really important. His question also, since it talks about biology, the technology right now in brain-machine interfaces is is getting quite advanced. We've been talking about human-computer interaction and, you know, humans and machines. And we've been talking for decades about brain-machine interfaces. But guess what? Now the future is here. Yeah. You know, the future is now. And so we think about the beneficial uses of that, especially for disease and pathology. Uh, someone is uh, maybe a paraplegic or a yeah. quadriplegic. Amazing to have some you know, brain-machine interfaces so that person can think. You think the thoughts. Maybe I don't have the mobility to type. But if I can think the thought and, and the typing happens, very powerful. Very, very powerful. But again, fundamentally, it's about how we're enhancing the human experience with 
you know, very advanced technologies, uh, brain machine interface, uh, future will be the AI, you know, all of our ML. But again, those are just algorithms. You, you have a, a background and a strong experience, uh, for example, with your work at NASA around policymaking. And, and I'm wondering, especially because you're here in Paris today, how do you see the role of regulators? Uh, and if you have a view of what's happening in the U.S. and in other parts of the world, you, there's a, here at least in Europe, this is like this sort of idea that we need Europe to put the framework because mm -hmm. if we let the rest of the world, you know, they're not going to be as uh, protective to the sort of social needs that we have. Yes. It's a great question. Thank you for it. Um, we, I uh, agree that we need standards and some guardrails. Absolutely. Um, kind of the algorithms and the AI and have gotten ahead of, of the policy. Policy is slow. Yeah. Government yeah. policy, as you know, it, it always is slower. So right now the technology has outpaced uh, the, the government policies. So, I think two things that the governments are on it. Europe, uh, Europe and the U.S. I hope we work hand in hand together. It's really important. Uh, actually, looking for leadership both in Europe and the U.S. to say these standards need to be put in place. Guardrails is it shouldn't be used for nefarious reasons, and and that should be regulated. I believe, you know, personally, I believe it. So let's talk about what the right standards are. And uh, again, but to the more decentralized nature, let's have also the conversation with individual people and industry. Industry has a huge role to play. Mm -hmm in also um, not just coming up with standards, but abiding by the standards. And, and I really hope that the U.S. And, and Europe take the leadership role here and, and put those standards in place. It couldn't be any more important. So that's, that's part of, of this, you know, more global, you know, movement revolution in AI and ML. Let's put the regulations and standards in place, to your point, that will have the most societal benefit and cause no harm. Um. Coming back to your work at the MIT Media Lab, um, I mean, we, we're talking about this all the time, but it's, you know, we're going to more specific topics and it's really fascinating. Yeah, this, for example, the innovation framework. So I saw this talk that you did um, about this. Um, and I was very, I thought it was super interesting where 80% is under this continuous uh, innovation, right? Yeah, so really interesting. So this innovation it's framework. One of the four, yeah. Yeah, displaying the innovation framework. We'll definitely, uh, we'll put up an image, yeah, we'll image to the to the website here. But um, and I did this for 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 NASA, which was interesting, a huge government agency. And now I use it all the time in academia and with with businesses and industry. Yeah, so and I think we use it here today. Yeah, so I think it's you know kind of a, a transformative framework and way, a good way to help people think about um, where you put technology investments and bets. Mm -hmm. So there's four quadrants. The first, as you mentioned, I just I call it continuous innovation, and that's you use your existing technology and your existing business model, and you come to work every day and you say, "I want to be excellent." So it's just being very conscious every day about I want to innovate today. I want to do my best work, and it turns out that through the scholarship, we see about eighty percent of innovation is just that. Yeah. It's just every day being very inspired, having being in the organization that allows you to innovate, think creatively. So that's great. So that's a place where all businesses, you know, and governments, you know, we should put a lot of emphasis on, let's just lift people up every day in their, their great work. Uh, then, uh, now to the right side of my, my screen here, the, you know, revolutionary innovation. That's a big technology push. That's, that's where I live as an engineer, designing spacesuits, you know, for the moon right. and Mars, a new technology breakthroughs at the Media Lab and the five areas I mentioned. So as an engineer, you know, we love the revolutionary technology. So keep your same business model, keep your same organizational structure, but really push the technology. So that's a comfort spot, spot usually for engineers that are revolutionary technology. 
the mirror image of that I call disruptive innovation. And that's a complete business model disruption. Very much change the business model, change your organization, complete disruption, but keep the same technology. So our public-private partnerships at NASA uh, to work with the, the private companies, SpaceX, and to work with Boeing, and to work in now Sierra Nevada for the cargo you know, delivery to space station, now sending up astronauts. That's disruptive innovation because it's a new business model. It's not a lot of new technology. It's a very disruptive no. new business model. And it's great because it's faster. Then the hardest part of the quadrant, the fourth quadrant, if you go up to the, the top here, I call that transformative innovation. And that means that you do the revolutionary, the tech push, and the business model at the same time. So in parallel, you're transforming your organization and you're also bringing on the revolutionary technology. What is an example of this? Well, then I say, so that's the future state that we look for. What's transformative technology? So here's the the challenges. So to find life elsewhere in the solar system, that will take, (laughs) it takes a new business model, a new organizational structure, and it takes a lot of technology. So that's a fun kind of far out example that, you know, uh, that I think about all the time is when are we going to find life elsewhere in all of our exploration? You could also say, let's take a, you know, an example uh, for climate or sustainable, let's take the oceans. Yeah. So you think, oh, what would be transformative uh, innovation for the oceans? Well, think about all the new business models on aquaculture. You know, we could realize those, but it's not just about the business opportunities and economic good for the oceans growing plants, uh, you know, is biodiversity. We're decimating the fish populations. So it's also going to take a lot of technology. So we need a lot of technology uh, for aquaculture and we need a business, many more new business models. So that's a, maybe that's a good, you know, that's a good example for the oceans. We could make one, you know, for the earth as well in, in, uh, say health and wellness are connected mind and body so that we are coming up with the superhumans you know transformative technologies in terms of helping the mobility but they've been very very expensive the so not everyone has a robotic limb to help them walk um, but guess what now if we open source that and can 3d print it with and and make it orders of magnitude cheaper then that would be a good that would you change the the business model to make it open, accessible, affordable, and you would still have the technology that, you know, was the technology push and the revolutionary technology. So thinking of a world where we just uh, celebrate everyone's abilities. How do you see the world in 2030? 2030? Well, if we get on it and we can have the global cooperation that we hope and scale it up, I, I hope it's a more peaceful, breathable, <laughs> diverse world. That's my hope for 2030. We have seven years, so the time is ticking, but I think it's uh, incredibly important, hopefully peaceful. Not so much war raging. We could, you know, this cancer could be a lot longer. I have so many questions. But I just want, uh, as as we're about to wrap up, I just want to kind of, you know, ask one more time this question, um, because that's a debate I I have, you know, quite often around how much should we trust technology to save us? Yeah, technology won't save us. People will save us. I think, and living things, that people people will save us. That's we have the, the choice. Uh, we need to have the ethical, moral, you know, foundational, fundamental, you know, kind of social contract. You know, what's in, what's for the good, the good of society, the good of people. Machines don't know that. Yeah. Machines are not uh, sentient. You know, machines are not conscious. Machines are not empathetic, uh, compassionate. That's what, 
humanity and humans and the real humanities bring to the table experiences and joy love so these are these are human choices you know these are conscious human choices working with you know our wonderful advanced algorithms and machines and robots <laughs> uh, why are you here at Tech? Uh, what is the value of events like this one for someone like you? Ah, it's so fun. It's my first time at VimaTech. And so I uh, was invited to, to speak and uh, realize it's Europeans largest uh, technology conference. Yeah. yeah, it's a big one. And so for me, it's just a pleasure to be here, tell people uh, about the Media Lab, what research we're doing. And since there's so much uh, industry participation here, uh, that's how the Media Lab works. We actually team up and partner with industry members. Yeah. So for me, it's super important to be here to get out and, and talk to lots of our members who are already here. Okay. But of course, we're looking for you know new folks and industry members and uh, can be you know small, medium-sized companies or very large companies. And this is a great uh, forum because everybody is, is here And uh, I think they needed a few futurists and yeah. wanted to bring <laughs> bring space and the space economy into the conversation. <laughs> Love it. Um, thank you very much. One last uh, question. Uh, if you have any advice for um, young people in particular, like founders or entrepreneurs who want to build up a business or like put their idea or their, you know, their vision to work for the benefit of, you know, society, do you have any advice to give them? Absolutely. Uh, just... Um, Believe in yourselves, believe in your dreams. It won't be easy. So if you're up for the challenge, uh, you know, important things take a lot of time. They're hard. At, at the Media Lab, we actually have a, um, affiliated with a, a startup fund, E14. So check out, if you have a great idea, check out our E14 fund because it might be able to help you launch your business. Uh, so we welcome we welcome that. We'd love to take a look at what, what folks are doing. And most importantly, individuals that uh, just believe in the beauty of your dreams. One other piece of advice don't be afraid to fail uh -huh. because you know lots of startups are going to fail i fail all the time and i celebrate failure i give an award for failing smart at nasa i saw that yeah so there's going to be a lot of bumps in the rows and failures but when you get it right and when you succeed you know those will be the, the happiest you know moments and uh that helps inspire people that's amazing thank you thank you so much for your time Deborah. thank you thanks for your interest and shout out to everyone out there thanks for listening <laughs> we're recording live from Paris at Diva Tech 2023 thank you to the team for making this possible don't forget to subscribe to the Selected Podcast so you get the next episodes thank you see you there